I've been here for years, ordained by my peers, putting suckers in sears, wearing bow ties for years. Tank top and tears, we're tailoring beers. Making a change, finding the strange, feeling deranged on the face for firing range, rain down like a nine. <laughs> well, I was fairly thin in high school and I had an afro. So they called me Q-tip. Yeah. Uh, I play... Well, some people called me quack, you know. This is iHeartPCA, a podcast about what is good and glorious and amazing and outstanding about the PCA, what's beautiful and believable. We know there are things that aren't those, but we are trying to talk about what's positive and promote our little neck of the woods as small as it is, as a place where God has put us. For whatever reason, it's in his providence and his goodness, and so we trust him. I'm Doug Servan. I'm a pastor at City Prez in Oklahoma City, talking to you from my office up here in our beautiful location that we were able to purchase a few years ago. And I want to bring in and say hi to our co-host, Justin Edgar. Justin? Hey, Doug. I'm uh, just chilling here in Albuquerque. Where are you in Albuquerque? I'm at my office today. Nice. Justin, I wanted to ask you, I sort of ask you a question every time, but you have developed in this last few months a new hobby. And so I wanted to ask you about that hobby and how it started and how unusual it is in this day and age, what it's been like. So what is that hobby? Why did you start it? So uh, like a lot of uh, people during this uh, shelter home stuff, uh, I made started baking bread. And what's the meme? What's the meme that started this? Oh, you mean like, uh, yeah, there was the joke about because there's no sports uh, you know, I never thought that men would take the bread making in the absence of sports. Well, that's kind of what's happened for me and others that I know. I had, I had a girl, a lady in my church who was baking sourdough. I love sourdough. I never baked it or tried to bake it. Really haven't baked bread since we had a bread maker after we first got married, my wife and I. And uh, so she said, hey, do you want some starter? And I was like, yeah. And uh, I started baking bread. And it's not nearly as good as some of the guys like Shaner's and David Cassie, a couple other PCA pastors. Theirs is way more beautiful than mine, but it's been fun. It's been fun to uh, bake some bread. Can you give us a couple tips, secrets? Yeah. So uh, one of the secrets is learning how to keep your starter fresh, um, feeding it every day. And then you have to get rid of a portion of it. And so you can actually bake that into like a little pancake and eat it. It's pretty tasty. Or you can give it to someone, a friend, so they can have their own starter. Um, and that keeps that starter fresh, which causes, you know, for it to, uh, causes it to rise. And then the other secret is mixing the flour and letting in the water and letting it sit for 45 minutes before you add the starter to it. Um, all of that helps, you know make it fluff up. Do you have a favorite part? Um, I think my favorite part is the, 
you know, right before I put it into the, the oven, like after, after it proves that whole process of proving it and then shaping it and putting in, I like that part. Now, Justin, you know, I've had a couple of things I've been doing during this time. I was going to ask you what's your, uh, what's been going on. Yeah. So I've been making trips. So the last two trips that I've been making, I've been trying to go with my daughter. So the, the last trip I took is I went to the Buffalo river and we floated down the Buffalo river. I took my niece and nephew. It's glorious. It's beautiful. It's amazing. The river was high because it's been raining so much. So we didn't go to get to go the first day, but we got to go the second day. But I, I can't remember if I mentioned this last week because of the Saturday before that, I went to the blue whale of Catoosa. Have you heard of this? I haven't. What is that? It's on Route 66. You know, on Route 66, there are all these little things that, yep. that people built in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And so this is mm, 15 minutes outside of Tulsa. And they built this little, this blue whale. You can walk up into it. It used to be, it's in this pond. So you used to be able to swim in it. And it's, it's famous. I think I saw the pictures that you posted. I, I met Jeremy Fair there. He and I had a margarita and it was worth the price of admission. Okay, so we got lots of stuff going on in the time uh, that we're in right now. One of the things that's going on is we're starting this podcast. It's, it's connected into this time because we're starting it, but it sort of transcends all time and all space and all of matter. Um, and so it's transcendent in that sense. And with that in mind, I want to bring in someone who I've gotten to know the last few years. I don't think I knew you, Dan, and but until fairly recently. But the more I know, the more I like. So that's high praise. And so our guest today on episode nine is Dan Quakelar. Dan is a pastor, church planter, author, former businessman, entrepreneur, husband, father, son, brother, and many other things I'm sure I haven't mentioned yet. So Dan, why don't you introduce to all our listeners who don't quite yet know who you are yet, who you are, what you're doing, and then we'll get into the other stuff in a second. Well, you hit a lot of it already, man. But um, yeah, so I, I grew up outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, knowing that I wanted to be a pastor, but uh, spent some time in the military, got into a business career. So I didn't actually go to seminary until 2009 when I was 48 years old. So late, late in the game, I, you know, if you'd look at my life as kind of game theory, right? Um, <laughs> I came into it late in the game, uh, but but something that was a lifelong calling, and so uh, wound up in Milwaukee. And my first assignment was to plant a church uh, in the inner city of Milwaukee, um, with really very little experience uh, being a pastor, even. And mm -hmm. so, since 2014, that's what that's what I've been doing, and um, and my wife is on board and. Uh, we live in the neighborhood we serve, and it's a lot of fun. Great. So one of our very first questions I always like to ask is your PCA origin story. And so how did you stumble into this little place, 
because I know previous to this, you, like you just said, it was late, but you were an elder, I think before that, and you were a businessman. So you had a previous career. What's the trajectory into the PCA? All right. So, so I was working in publishing. I was working for Reader's Digest in Milwaukee, um, uh, running a database, uh, my career was database marketing and analysis. So that's what I did. And uh, <clears throat> I wound up um, going to a number of churches. Milwaukee is not particularly reformed. Uh, I grew up in a CRC church, but my dad left that when I was young. And we I wound up growing in a church. You may know, uh, do you know Stuart and Jill Briscoe, Doug? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, Stuart, Stuart married Sherry and I in 82. So we went to Elmbrook and um, grew up there, popped around, you know, went in the military, came back, popped around a little bit from church to church and couldn't find a church that really um, fit us. And so we had been going to an an independent fundamentalist church of American IFCA church that was basically a four point Calvinist church, more or less. And, and, uh, and it was it was good, uh, but then there was a pastor change, and and the doctrines changed with that, and so um, my 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 kids were going to a do in a dojo, and the guy who ran the dojo was big time PCA, mm-hmm. loved the PCA, and uh, so he hooked us into Co- uh, Cornerstone Church in the year two thousand, and. Uh, and that's where my introduction was to the PCA. And, and I, it just was like, finally, I'm home. Mm. Finally, here's, here's a church that believes what I believe. And, and it was like a breath of fresh air. Did, couldn't believe I found it. Then I got transferred. Well, I didn't really get transferred. Uh, a headhunter hired me. I, I got hired out to Highlights for Children magazine in Columbus. So job change, change in city. And... Uh, I just went to the closest PCA church, and that was that was the church we picked, and that happened to be Northwest Pres in Columbus, Ohio. So you know uh, James Kessler probably. Mm, yeah. Yeah, he was my kid's uh, pastor, the youth wow. pastor at the time. Yeah. So, uh, so then I want to hear about how you got to Covenant Seminary, but Highlights Magazine. Yeah, dude. Great magazine. Great magazine. You're bringing me back to like. 1977 totally. second grade highlights magazine yeah. and mrs jackson is my teacher so that's a legacy yeah 60 some year legacy when i was there they had their 65th anniversary or 60th so how did you uh, end up at covenant dan well, um, the economy turned in 2008. So you, you may remember that. Some, some, some people have fades in their memory a little bit, but it, it was big for us. And, uh, and my position was not a moneymaker position at Highlights. And uh, so it was eliminated. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> so being laid off um, at, uh, at the time, I was at an executive level. So it was a uh, uh, you know, fairly substantial salary that all of a sudden was gone, couldn't pay my bills, you know, and the whole bit. And so I, um, that, by the way, that was about the time I put that book out, Doug. Uh, but, um, but then I, I, you know, I just looked at Sherry one day and I said, you know, I, I think, 
I think I'm supposed to go to seminary. And her response, I was expecting her to say, no, we can't just go to seminary. You're 48. But instead, what she said was, it's about time. So uh, I had been waking up morning after morning saying, I was meant to be a pastor. Why am I doing this? And I was tormented by that thought. And so so Sherry was all on board immediately. Uh, we moved to Colum uh, to uh, St. Louis. A whole string of miracles got us there. And, uh, and so I got there for my first semester to fail Greek and did that successfully. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, I don't know what your academics have been like, but going into Greek at 48 is a deep dive, right? I had some of those guys in my class and... Yeah. I fell for him. It was, yeah. Well, Hebrew, I wanna, Hebrew is better, but... I want to read something to you and get your reaction. Christians commonly define grace as God's unmerited favor, but if we must walk an aisle, sign a card, or raise a hand to earn God's grace, then salvation is not by grace at all. Grace comes as a costly gift from God. No person can earn it. It comes only by, wait for it, God's choice <laughs> there it is there it is i'm That's holding it. in my hand a copy it could have been called chosen by god easily <laughs> easily but this is instead yeah. totally different book it's called god's choice it's a layman's perspective on predestination election and yeah. it was uh came out in 2009 but it came in the mail to me this week because I did not know this existed until the last two weeks. And once I heard it existed, I went out and ordered a copy, but I have not read it yet. So tell me about it. Okay. Well, you're the eighth person to buy it. <laughs> so I'm excited. I've, I've broken the seven barrier. I was at seven for about four years. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that book is a Bible study that I, that I, Basically, I went through a process of being in the Christian Reformed Church to being Arminian, pretty much, and, and working for God's grace and trying to earn God's grace. And then I ran into uh, Michael Scott Horton's book, Putting the Amazing Back into Grace, and, and I'm turning the pages and I'm like, heretic, heretic, heretic. I finally got to the end of it, where there's this appendix that is actually absolutely a stupendous appendix and uh, in fact i'd call it a stupendix it's so good and and I, I i just went through it and and in that you know going through those verses i i got mad because i realized that the doctrines of grace were true mm. and it got me angry and and so i just i started praying and i said lord this gets me so mad this I know it's true. I know I have to believe it, and I'll believe it because I love you, but I don't have to like it. And it, and I was in that state for about two months, and then I went cage stage mm. after that because I realized what God gives me, nobody can take away. Mm. What God gives me, nobody can take away. And, and so I wrote this book. Now, just backing up a little bit. Remember, I'm in magazine publishing, right? I understand the publishing industry. So here's the, here's the, here's the, uh, here's the sell, right? A doctrine that is highly debated 
somebody writes about it from a position of not having been educated in that area, right? So it obviously is going to be a bestseller, right? <laughs> obviously. Seems like it. Yeah. Apparently, I found out nobody wants to know what a layman thinks about a difficult doctrine that <laughs> is discussed by... Until now. Until now. You're getting Until more pub publicity for this book <laughs> than it's been in a while. So I'm recommending this book to all my friends. It's by Outskirts Press. It's called God's Choice. It's a layman's perspective on predestination election by Dan Quakelar, who now knows what he's talking about post-writing this book. So what about you there, Dan? Being a, a Milwaukee guy, um, Packers, Brewers? Are those Packers, Brewers, Bucks. Okay. Yep. We got three great state teams and a great state college team, so... Yeah, uh, great. I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. You have some it's great teams. You have some great teams. Okay. Are, are the Brewers <laughs> great? Really? Are the Brewers great? What's your favorite yeah. Brewers team? Well, which My year? Favorite Brewers team was Bambi's Bombers. Yeah. Back in uh, you know with Yount and uh, Bob Euchre. Oh, yeah. That's the seventies. <laughs> yeah, seventies. Yeah, seventies, eighties. Do you remember the eighty-two team? Eighty-two team. Yeah. And they lost. I think they lost the Cardinals. I don't. Maybe I don't know. It seems okay. like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do remember that team. It was a good team. Yeah, it was a. It was all right. I got to tell you one random Brewers thing for me, is I was in Kansas City. This must have been nineteen. Early nineties, and I was at I was at Royals game. Like a random, I was there. I went to the game, and I was there. The the night Paul Molitor hit his 3000 right. hit, yeah. nice. which is like so crazy because like people had planned on it and everything. And I just got a ticket and I don't know how many people there, but I will never forget. And of course he was amazing and that guy could hit. And I was there for his 3000 hit in Kansas city. Look it up. I, we could probably look up the date right now, but that's yeah. my favorite brewer story. Minus all the times we beat them, but damn, you know, Hey, this is iHeartPCA. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm a big Cowboy fan. And so right now the most hated, my most hated team, even more than the Eagles is the Packers because of the ways that they've, you know, broke, ripped my heart out 2016 and 2014 just, uh, just killed me. And, uh, so we 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 uh we can be friends, but not very good friends, Dan. Yeah, that's uh, and and that that feeling is mutual because it was, I believe, in the was it in the '90s when the Cowboys kept beating the Packers all the time in the Favre years and yep. and the uh, and the Magic Man years. You remember Don Mikowski? He'd always pull it out in the last uh, last minute. Yeah. Okay, I got one more question before our break, and that is the best Milwaukee beer is. Uh, I, I would say the East Side Dark at Lake uh, Lakefront Brewery. Oh, that's not that's not hard to. There's an East Side Dark. It's the best dark beer in the world. It's not Milwaukee's best. I mean, Milwaukee's best is named Milwaukee's best. <laughs> it literally is the name of it. No. <laughs> yeah, and it's lit. That's literally the only thing that it has to do with Milwaukee. <laughs> is the name on it? I think they make that in Eau Claire or La Crosse or something. Yeah, that's not a real Milwaukee beer. 
Now, if you're talking Pabst or Schlitz or Blatz, I can go back. You can. But I can't get those. those. But I can get I can get Milwaukee's best right down the street. I mean, I can get that anytime. I can anytime. probably get 24 cans for five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good deal. <laughs> okay. All right. We're we're discussing sports, beer, publishing. We we got Covenant Seminary in there. We have highlights. You didn't know if you were going to get Reader's Digest and highlights, but you got it. But we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsor, White Blackbird Books. We're going to come back and get into some deeper topics here in a minute. So let's take a break and then we'll come back and hear what else got we got. got no idea what I'm going through. I Heart PCA is made possible by White Blackbird Books, a powerhouse, multi-person publishing house that works to promote great ideas for people you perhaps haven't heard from yet, like on Quakerlaw. You'll want to get a copy of Doing God's Work and read about An's vision, passion, and what he has implemented in the city of Milwaukee. It's truly inspiring. Pastors out there will also appreciate the practical, kind, wise advice Randy Neighbors dishes out in Insufficient. He's pressing for pastoral competency while giving credit and glory to Christ alone. Order Doing God's Work and Insufficient and other White Blackbird titles on Amazon. Give them a read and tell others what you think by writing a review. iHeartPCA is also brought to you by Good Microphones. Thanks for listening. We are here with iHeartPCA with Justin Edgar and our guest today, Dan Quakelar. And I wanted to get into two topics. One is more generally the church plant, Friend of Sinners, that you started, I think you said in 2014, and what that's been like. Tell us about that church. And then once you talk about that, I want to talk about less generally, more specific, and where we're rooted right now in space and time. So just give me the rundown of the church as a whole. Okay. Well, um, uh, my dad has uh, been a missionary to Milwaukee for two decades. Um, and, and in that time, he has built bridges to the inner city of Milwaukee, the black community and the Latin community in Milwaukee that have given me a unique and wonderful view into a world that I had no idea existed in when I just was in the suburbs. And what, is that, what that has led to is many, many bridges into uh, ministry in Milwaukee and in, in specifically being able to deal with uh, reconciliation, racial reconciliation in particular, since uh, Milwaukee is a very racialized, very segregated city. Um, so, so when I went to uh, seminary, uh, I already had a history through my dad of um, ministry in the in an inner city area, it was already kind of in my blood. And so 
um, and I wanted to be a church planter. So, so when the opportunity came up through um, Cornerstone, the pastor of Cornerstone Church, Chris Vogel, uh, and he said, he and Mark Kaiser, the guy who heads up our uh, M&A committee for presbytery, said, hey, we'd, we'd be interested in, in finding out if, if uh, you could see a way to plant in Milwaukee in an inner city location. They were looking at one plant and kind of divided it into two. And, and so I talked with some of the guys that my dad had worked with and said, hey, you know, I wasn't sure why would somebody want to follow a white guy in a, in a um, segregated city that just doesn't sound, I mean, so yeah, so all, all the deck was, you know, kind of stacked against me the whole way because I'm old. I haven't been ordained long, haven't been a pastor really before. I'm a white guy in a black Hispanic area. Um, you know, there, there's just so many things. Like you said, your dad had done a previous 20 plus years of uh, tilling and soiling and uh, seeding. And so it seems crazy, except for that is super, uh, maybe, I don't know if you could have done it without that, but that is a serious advantage in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think I would have been able to do it without the connect, at least the connections. And my dad was a kind of, I mean, I was um, talking, um, one, one of our members runs something called the Genesis Lighthouse, which trans, helps to transfer guys from prison back into Milwaukee. And I was there the other day and I met one of the guys, his name is David Lewis. And, and he looks at me and he said, I remember your dad. And I went, you know, this guy had been in prison for 20 years. What do you mean you remember my dad? He said, I remember your dad because he was the only guy I had ever met from the suburbs who was going from church, storefront church to storefront church, walking in saying, is the pastor here? Who's the pastor? What can I do to help? What do you need built around here? And, and he would just take crews of people to churches that had not asked for anything to be done. But he said, I got resources. I'm going to find somebody who needs them. I'm going to go there and I'm going to help you build a platform for your, your, uh, for, for the front of the sanctuary, or I'm going to help help you tar your roof, or I'm going to help you stripe the parking lot, or I'm going to help you put up some drywall. I, I don't know what it is, but I know you got something that my folks can do. And then he would bring in guys from the suburbs, you know, construction guys, and they'd volunteer to do the work. And he said, I remember your dad because every church I went into, it didn't matter what storefront church I walked into, there was your dad hammering a nail somewhere. Mm. And uh, so, so that's how he built ministry was in building relationships and being genuine. It's great. That's amazing. That is amazing. I, I want to mention two things. One is for our listeners out there, Dan's dad is his name is Arn Quakelar, A R N, and he has a book called Doing God's Work. And White Blapper Books published it, and and we sort of like it came really quick, and we edited it really quick and put it out really quick. And I remember reading that book and editing it and publishing. Going like, this is amazing, <laughs> the things your dad did and does and his vision and his ministry and you just described how people respond i was super inspired by all these years of stories and 
the things he began and the vision he had and the people he believed in, I highly recommend it. It's rooted in Milwaukee, but it is really a book about that anyone could learn from if you want to do ministry, especially in their city. And then Dan, I mean, you are certainly following in his footsteps. I know you know that, but it's not just because you're after him, but you're doing a similar thing. And you have a chapter in this book, Christ and the Chronotide, where you talk about doing ministry in the inner city during a pandemic and what it's like. And it's rough, man. I'm like, I read your chapter and I know you were going through it and it is uh, very moving and Christ is with you uh, just so you know. And I, I know, but it is not easy right now. No, no. And, and I'm, I'm very blessed to have a wife like Sherry to encourage me every morning. Well, except this morning. She didn't. In fact, I woke up this morning. Let's call her out. Call her out, man. I, I rolled over in bed and 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 I and I look at her and I, I'm I, you know I'm having these heartfelt feelings, these feelings of of just loving my wife and and she looks at me and she said, "I found the perfect man." And I said, "What happens to me?" <laughs> you know, who so, was the perfect man? Yeah, we're, you know, so, so she deals with me as not the perfect man, (laughs) but she calls me the perfect man. So I was just confused this morning. um, (laughs) You are the perfect man? Well, that's what she told me later. I was concerned she'd found somebody else, (laughs) but, um, but she is an encouragement to me. She loves me. She keeps, she prays for me. She prays with me. She's, she's helping with Bible studies. She's, she does a lot of administrative stuff. And, and if I didn't have her, I, I think I would wear out. You saw in that chapter how it's just like, can I even make it through sometimes? Can I make it through this day? And the answer is always yes. Because I have the Lord, and and He and He's working through Sherry, and He's working through Yvonne, uh, the the church mother of of uh, Friend of Sinners Church. Ma is a great wise woman who is uh, cares for the whole church. She pastors me, and uh, and so so there are many many positives, but it can be also very difficult. We're, and, and the hardest thing is not having an answer for problems. Usually you can tell somebody, well, you know, if, when I was in the suburbs, well, read this book or, or maybe you could watch this video series or let's, let's go through a Bible study together. I'm dealing with um, one of the guys, AJ is uh, um, one of the guys who's, who I work with, who's a 14 year old boy who is, um, Currently, he he has no. His mom is in a uh, rehab facility for mental health issues. His dad is in prison. He he was given to his aunt, uh, who gets a check for him. Uh, she spends it on cocaine and sends him to her daughter. Her daughter has to take care of him with no money. I, I met with him with another elder, uh, well, elder candidate yesterday, 
and he's wearing a winter coat the whole time and it's 70 degrees and I'm going, you can take your coat off. He goes, no, nah, I'm all right. So come to find out he's got no shirt hmm. and he's going out with the pastor and one of the other leaders of the church and he doesn't want to be, you know, have no shirt because he's going to be respectful. And so he's wearing this torn up jacket, you know, and, and it's like, what do I do to help this guy? Because this guy says, I don't want you to do anything for me. I don't want you to give me anything. I don't, because if you do, then my, my uh, cousin who's taking care of me is going to know something's up and it's going to get back to my auntie and she's going to get upset and then the families are going to fight and I'm going to be the bad guy and I'm going to be in trouble and I don't want to disrupt my family because, hmm. because he's in this tenuous position. So, so how do I, how do I actually pastor? So, so it becomes very difficult and sometimes I end the day and there is no solution, hmm. but prayer and trusting Christ and I have to make peace with knowing that he is sufficient and I am not. Mm. And that's not an easy place to be. Mm -hmm. it's just so the, you kind of touched upon through AJ and just the multi-layeredness of the ministry that you do. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on today? Uh, as we sit here on the edge of, you know, more yeah. police violence and yeah. uh, protests and marches, what's going on in Milwaukee today? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm on the verge of losing some friendships because if you're not really careful with how you talk about the issue of George Floyd, um, you can really step on toes. I mean, even by posting the picture that has become iconic about this of in front of the police car, um, you know, a lot of folks are posting that because they want to be able to illustrate the evil of what happened. Other people are saying, don't post that. In my community here, I live in the black community. In my community, uh, people are saying, why are you disrespecting mm -hmm. the Floyd family? by posting him dying all the time online. And I never, I had not thought of it from that perspective. And sometimes, in fact, most of the time, we know this already, I just don't always practice it well. It's better to listen mm -hmm. than to spout off. It's better just to hear what's going on. When you get invited downtown and have dinner at somebody's house in the inner city, then you're starting to approach the area where you can be fairly sure you understand the issues. But frankly, until you get to that place, until you find that, have a back, you know, the big joke is, oh, I've got a black friend, right? And, and what I tell people is, hey, that's good. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. You, you know, pursue that friendship, but don't just pursue that one friendship or that, that, you know, pursue friendships with people that are totally different culturally than you and find out how much like you they are and see their heart when they're stabbed by some of the things that happen and understand the pain. And, and because what happens is you wind up getting angrier than they are. 
because you see your friends being put down and, and treated unjustly and all of a sudden it matters. And that's the only solution is these friendships and relationships, which I treasure. My wife, and I'll just say this, uh, my wife said to me the other day, she said, thank you for moving me into the inner city. And I said, why? That's a little odd. I mean, we hear gunshots at night and the sirens are all night long, okay? People get shot right down the street here. We had a little girl shot by a stray bullet through her, the window of her home about a week ago. Why would you say thank you for moving me to the inner city? And she said, because my friendship with Ladon and Sharon and Yvonne and, and others are not like any other friendships I've ever had. They're so deeper. They're so much more deep that she, she just loved it. And that's the joy of being an inner city pastor is having these relationships that are so radically different and radically deep. I, I, I don't ever want to move out of the inner city. Amen. I got a comment and then I'm going to turn it over to Justin for the last question. But I, I, the recommendation that I would have two books or one book and one thing is a thousand resurrections by Maria Garriott. She and her husband moved into the inner city and it's just a beautiful book about how her life was radically altered. And there are many others, but she's in our tribe. She's in our group. She's in our circles. And it is, I think just, amazing and i think you could write a very similar book maria garriott a thousand resurrections and the second is the new city network and the racial reconciliation and justice conference where these things are talked about and you're with people that are doing ministry in context or bridge context right a part of it is the bridge like your dad was doing getting people to come in and then to make friendships like, you know, we don't all have to move to the inner city, but you might like consider it in your life because you know someone who did. And she said this because Sherry wouldn't have said this 30 years ago. Right. Right. And so you got to meet some people and move into these areas where you just it gets in your brain that the way I've been raised isn't the only way. And that that actually crosses both ways. Right. Yeah. Um, and so those are two recommendations that I would make thousand, re thousand resurrections and the racial reconciliation and justice conference by the new city network. Oh, it is life giving both those things. Okay, Justin, bring us in. So uh, one of the things we've talked about, Dan, on some of the other pods is we've talked about both uh, the spelling of unique uh, names and uh, our last names. So we talk about the spelling of Albuquerque. Uh, Doug, can you spell Albuquerque yet? I think I'm still with A-B-Q. So I know there's yeah. an extra R. Yeah. A-L-B-U-R. No. It's Albuquerque. Yeah. A-L-B-U-Q-U-E-R-Q-U-E. -Q -U -U -E. So your last name, Quackalar. Yes. Name to spell. E, hard name to pronounce, possibly as well. Yeah. It's a double K, double A. So yeah. U A double K E L double A R. So uh, in uh, you know my last name Edgar. You know the, most of the time when I heard Edgar was at football practice. I had a nickname Snoopy, but they also always used Edgar. 
And so, you know, what was, what did they, what did they call you at football practice? And as you share that, you can tell us about your illustrious, uh, you know, prep football career. <laughs> well, I was fairly thin in high school and I had an Afro. So they nice. called me Q-tip. Oh, <laughs> I like that actually. That's yeah. a good one. They didn't uh, even I try with the quacklar. They didn't even like, they just, just I mean, Q I've, was enough. Well, some people called me quack. Oh, you yeah, know. quack, yeah. yeah. Quake. That was my brother. My brother was Quake. He was a little bigger than me. Hmm. So yeah. you got quack. I got quack or Q-tip, yeah. So how? Uh, tell us about Q-tip, uh, Q-tip's career. What was it like? <laughs> In football? Uh, I was a starting left offensive tackle which is a very important position because that's the blind side, right? Yeah. Uh, so me and another guy rotated plays in uh, to left tackle for the quarterback. So, uh, and I had, I had a lot of fun, but, but it was offense. I really wanted to play defense, hmm. but I screwed up on one play in a game and the, and the coach never put me in on defensive end again. But uh, yeah, so, so I, you know, every once in a while, you know, I have those, Moments where I, I just go back in my mind and I'm playing football and, and, and I just know I can hit that guy this time in my mind. And so eventually I did, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I played quarterback for one play in my football career. Did you really? And it was uh, my first year of peewee football. I, I think I was probably, uh, eight or nine. And my job was to hand off to the running back. The running back was in my class. His name was Terrence Walker. And, uh, I was, I turned and handed it off, but it was too high and hit him at the top of his shoulder pads. And the ball just ricocheted out fumble recovered by the other team. And I never played another snap of quarterback the rest of my uh, football (laughs) career. So, um, yeah, you know, We were three and seven when I was uh, playing, when I was starting, and uh, I probably contributed to at least five of those losses. So <laughs> nice. That is illustrious. Q tip yes. is uh, appropriate, uh, an appropriate nickname. <laughs> There's a, this is a weird thing, but in Columbia, Missouri, there is a high school and their nickname is the Cupies, like the Cupie dolls. Like K-E-W-P-I-E-S Cupies. The Hickman Cupies. But so then the football team goes by the Q Dogs. Wow. (laughs) Which makes sense, right? If your nickname is the Cupie doll, you don't want to do that. Yeah, we were the Brookfield Central Lancers. Nice. And you're the, you're the Q-tip. And I was the Q-tip of the Lancers. Well, I got things I could talk about for a while, but I think we're at the end of our time. And one of those things that I want to talk about is following Dan Quakelar on the PCA Pastors and Elders Facebook page <laughs> is a delight. Oh, wow. A true delight. But... That's another time. Right, Dan? All right. So we we have to save it. We have to save it for a part two, 2024, who knows? 
So we do don't it. know how long this is going to go. But Dan, I'm thankful for you. I've learned a lot from you, even just in the brief time of knowing you. I'm thankful for your ministry in Milwaukee. All these years, how you took this circuitous path that you didn't even expect. I'm thankful for the stories that I hear from you as you do ministry in the inner city of Milwaukee. I've learned a lot of things about Milwaukee and about pastoring and about Christ from you. And that is uh, really beneficial to me personally. And so I'm a huge fan. I'm thankful that Christ is at work in you as you do ministry, because we are, like you said, inadequate and insufficient and it's impossible, but God is with us in all these situations in our tears and our laments in our telling people, we don't know what to do, but Jesus does. And he's building his church in so many different ways in not just in the inner city. Right. Right. And, and we're a part of this thing called the church. And then we're a part of this little segment of the church but we're connected to each other. So I'm glad we're connected to each other, man. Thanks so much. We're glad yeah, thanks, Dan. This is iHeartPCA. Would love to have you subscribe, leave a review, share with others, share resources like we've talked about several today. Certainly, let's let's get this God's Choice book up past seven. Uh, let's get it into double digits for sure. I'm thinking 100, 100 reviews. Let's push this over the top as a bestseller. Uh, I think the legacy of Reader's Digest and Highlights and the PCA and uh, Past Blue Ribbon and Milwaukee's Best, with all that in there, the Lancers, like if you're a Lancers alumni and you remember Q-Tip, get his book and let's make sure we just really push this and and Dan is going to be able to be a hundred air any minute. So thanks for joining. Glad you're here. High Heart PCA. It's the best PCA in the. Hey. Hey. Amen. Thank you.